Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We're in a season of Christmas, and even though it's not December yet, I love this season. Um, It's a busy time, isn't it? Like we're trying to get loose ends tied up, Uh, things that we just know before we take a big break. Uh, Christmas holidays, there's a whole lot of stuff that um, needs to happen. And, um, and so we're all busy, busy, busy. It's called the silly season for a reason, isn't it? But it's also the season to be jolly. But I'd like to think that every season is a season to be jolly, not just Christmas time. And one of the values that we have here at City Church, which we're going to dive into this morning, is we love to laugh. Well, few people said, yes, amen, I love to laugh. Who doesn't like to laugh? Who doesn't love a good laugh? If you don't love to laugh, something's wrong with you, seriously, <laughs> and uh, because most people do. In fact, people will pay good money to go and watch a stand-up or watch a funny movie or something just to cheer them up. They'll take medication. Uh, they'll do anything just to lighten up and get a good laugh. And why wouldn't that be a value then when it comes to uh, the household of faith or God? It's a value here at City Church. I was listening to uh, just background noise around our house, and several people have swimming pools. We have a swimming pool. Um, But the difference between what I was listening to is people had swimming pool, pools, and children. And there's a big difference in what you hear. Ours, you don't hear anything because I'm not going in there. It's too cold. It's not heated. Uh, but across the way, somebody has a pool and they got a lot of a lot of kids, and they're jumping in the pool, and you could you could just hear that noise of Marco, Paulo. <laughs> you know, I tagged you. No, you didn't. And then you know, but they're all laughing and it's cheerful and it's like that's the reason you have a pool. Uh, for your kids. It gives them something to do. You don't have to babysit them then, and and they're distracted, and they're certainly not then stuck on their iPhones, which so many people are. If you notice that, like, I can't, like, I cycle, and I'm cycling along, and people are coming the other way, but every one of them, almost without exception, is looking at this little screen. I'm like, you got to get your eyes, like I'm headed towards you at a speed that's clipping along here, and you've got to get your eyes off your iPhone or we're going to collide. And that just happens so much. People, people have their eyes on the wrong thing. And I believe that one of the reasons people don't laugh a lot or don't laugh more is their eyes are on the wrong thing. And one of the beautiful things about coming into a worship service, which is what you're in right now, is that you can get your eyes off of whatever it is that's stolen your joy and get your eyes on God. I think about God, yeah, if you're going to clap, clap, okay? If you don't do anything half-heartedly, if you're going to clap or shout or sing or whatever, do it with all your might. Don't do it half-heartedly or just don't, you know, do it or go home. No, don't go home. But, uh, but I think about why laughter is so important. Holding in a laugh, when you want to laugh, holding it in is just wrong. It's like holding in other things that want to come out. 
I'm not going to expound on that one. You can use your imagination. Uh, I was thinking about a sneeze, just in case you wondered with the ner nervous laughter. <laughs> uh, or maybe burping. <laughs> if you, you know, you drink too much uh, soda or something like that, you just got to... Oh, I just got a burp or a hiccup or something like that. Or, or something else, which is what you were thinking about that I didn't, I'm not going to mention. Uh, you don't want to hold that in, but, but you, have to, you have to exercise judgment when you're going to let whatever it is that you were thinking about, whenever you're going to let that out, you have to know, you have to read the room. Where am I right now? And it's not appropriate all the time. Laughter's like that a little bit. There's times to laugh. And there's times where you want to laugh, you want to let it out, <laughs> but you don't want, you, you, you dare not because it's not appropriate. I don't know if you've ever laughed about nothing. I found myself sometimes in such a good mood, I don't know why, I just get the giggles, and I'll start laughing. And Gail will go, what are you laughing at? What's so funny? <laughs> I go, nothing. She goes, no, really, tell me. What's so funny? No, really, nothing. I'm, I'm laughing about absolutely nothing. I'm just in a good mood today. Is that okay? <laughs> and uh, sometimes we, 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 we need to just laugh, even if it's just about nothing. Or sometimes you get the giggles. I don't know if this has ever happened to you or not, but <sighs> you see something funny but you really don't want to talk about it with anybody because it's funny to you, but it's probably not going to be funny. It's kind of like you had to been there kind of thing. I have this friend, Nina, and um, Nina and her husband, uh, at the time, they were going, they were living on the Gold Coast, and they were in a small group. They, they, they weren't Christians, I don't believe, and they, they, they got invited to um, uh, what we would call a connect group or a small group, little Bible study thing in somebody's living room. And uh, this isn't kind of, this is awkward, right? But they say, oh, let's get in a circle and I think hold hands or something. And they're, they're in a circle in somebody's living room. Now, you got to remember, these are people that are new to Christianity, new to the Christian faith. All the familiar jargon that we use as Christians, you know, the blood of the lamb, plead the blood. Like, what? What are you talking about? Plead what blood? What have I got myself into here? Anyway, uh, in the group, the leader said, oh, let's all just pray in tongues. Not really the thing for somebody that's not even introduced yet to Jesus. <laughs> anyway, they're talking, they're praying in tongues, and I'm not going to go there with what it is and all the rest of it, but uh, Nina, Nina leans over to Greg, and, uh, and she goes, why are these people, this person next to me, saying curried undies over and over again? Curry undy, curry undy, curry undy. <laughs> to her, it sounded like they were saying curried undies. Like, what's a curried undie? <laughs> and, and so they got the giggles. And they just started laughing because it just sounded so funny, but it wasn't right the right time. It wasn't appropriate. But sometimes people need to get, uh, get the giggles about some of the stuff that goes on. I, I would, I'd like to say this with the value of we love to laugh a lot, I could summarize this in one sentence. Church, you need to lighten up. <laughs> Quit taking life so seriously. 
What wickedness have, has robbed you of your joy? Has, has this wicked world out there, and it is wicked, it's, you know, a lot of bad stuff going on. Has it robbed you of your laugh? Has it robbed you of your joy? And the question is, why? Because the world's always been wicked. They crucified Christians in the first century. They put them on, on uh, uh, poles dipped in bitumen and lit them, lit them on fire. It was called, that's where Roman candles comes from. The whole Appian Way leading into Rome was lined with burning Christians that wouldn't bow, to, bow the knee to Caesar. How wicked is that? And yet, laughter was still part of the first century church, even in the middle of incredible persecution. Now, I like to know why I laugh, and I find some people are amazingly funny without even trying to be funny. They just are. And those kind of people that are, that, that bring joy into a room, they, they're very attractive. I find that, uh, that funny people or people that make you laugh or people that bring joy, they're attractive. If they're coming to a party and you're going to throw a party, you want those people to be at your party. You don't want, like, just deadbeat, melancholy, uh, you know, always never happy, never smiles, coming to your party. It's not going to be a party, is it? How was your party? Oh, you know, could have been better. Why? Because everybody there was somber. And the music, what was the music like? We tried a, a bit of music, but didn't go off. And everybody, you know, miserable and, and, and sorrow showed up and, and sourpuss and everybody else. Now, you want somebody that's got a bit of life. We happen to serve a God who is life. He is the light. He lights up the room. He brings laughter. Be his little children. The why we laugh really is pretty apparent because the Bible says God laughs. It says God laughs at the wicked because he knows their end. Now, I don't believe that his laugh is just haughtiness where he's just like, ha, ha, you're going to burn, baby. You know, you're getting away with it now, but you just wait. It's a little bit like the Roadrunner. I don't know if you ever watched the Roadrunner. But, you know, the road runner speeding down the road, road runner. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's the coyote. The coyote's laying all these traps for the road runner. And it always backfires. No matter what that coyote does, it always comes back on him. And God, excuse the pun, but God gets the last laugh. Only he gets it before it all happens because he sees it all happening. And we need to learn to laugh. We need to love to laugh because laughter represents life. Laughter represents light. All the, all the attributes of God is, is where laughter is. So the why to laugh, I would say, well, why not? If you're not laughing, what are you holding it in for? Why? You have to ask yourself that question, especially if you're serving a God who does laugh and, and who is incredible joy. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, and there are times where laughter, uh, let me put it this way. We're going to go there in a moment, but uh, it's okay to laugh with somebody, but it's not okay to laugh at somebody. There are just times where 
That's not a cool laugh when you're making fun of somebody, picking on somebody at their expense. And uh, that's where a lot of stand-up, I, you know, I can't watch it because it's like, well, you're just shredding on some person that maybe they've, you know, they're handicapped in some way or they made a mistake or whatever, whatever. That's just not the spirit of Christ. But laughing with is a whole nother thing. And we're going to see here in, in um, 2 Samuel chapter 6, somebody that laughs inappropriately or uh, mixes that sarcasm in there in a, in a very incredible moment in the history of the people of Israel. In 2 Samuel 6, verse 13, uh, just a little bit of background prior to that. Uh, David goes to get the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a box, and on it had cherubim whose wings were pointed together in the right direction, and God's presence uh, was between that, and this Ark represented the presence of God. It had in it uh, um, um, a, a, a branch from a tree that, that was dead, but it budded. It had manna, which you weren't allowed to collect on the inside. That had stone tablets of the law. That's on the inside of the ark. But on the outside of the ark, the presence of God was to dwell. And so they go to the house of Abinadab, where the ark is being stored. I don't know if you see right, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they go find that thing. And I love that movie. Uh, it's not totally accurate, but anyway, it's still a good movie, <laughs> classic. And so they go to Abinadab, and they put the ark on a new cart, it says, and they're going to transport the ark to Jerusalem. And David is so excited that he's just off the charts with celebration. He's, they've got all the instruments, the harps, the timbrels, the cymbals. Everything's going on. He's dancing his way. And uh, they've got a guy named Ohio who's out in front, and they're steering the ark. And then uh, Uzzah and the two of them, they're kind of guiding this ark down, down this hill from uh, Abinadab's place. And the oxen that's pulling the ark stumbles. And Uzzah, he reaches out to steady it. God's not happy. And that's a whole other sermon I'm not going to go into. But God's not happy about that. And we have fried Uzzah. And that's it. That's the end of Uzzah. Gone. David gets angry. He's thinking, well, how can I get this presence of God into Jerusalem, this ark? And he decides, well, I'm just going to give it a miss for right now. And so he, he leaves, the, uh, the, he leaves this, this ark at Obed-Edom. Now, we're going to pick this up again because he sees something happening here, which I think is important uh, when we're defining the values and the culture of our church. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom. And everything he has. Why? Because the ark of God, or you could put the presence of God. So David went to bring the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. So he sees this guy Obed-Edom, he's had the ark for three months, and his whole house is like supernaturally blessed. This thing is like Incredible. He catches wind of it because he's given up on bringing the ark because poor Uzzah probably did the funeral and hard one to explain to the relatives what, what exactly happened to him. Well, I don't know, but, you know, God wasn't happy. 
So we're, gonna, we're not going to touch this thing. But he sees that God's hand is on, this, on the ark. The presence of God brings incredible blessing. And so he, he decides to have another go at it and try to do things a little bit differently this time because he wants the blessing of God into the house of God, into the temple, the city of God, Jerusalem, and right into the temple of God. He wants the presence of God to be there. So he does this with rejoicing, with great anticipation. Verse 14, wearing a linen ephod, he's just got this little linen loincloth. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. That's what I said. If you're going to clap or shout or do something, do it with all of your might. Don't just do it half-heartedly. And while he and Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sound of trumpets, the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. Michael, I don't know, don't ever name your daughter Michael anyway. Michael's, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. You know, you're not going to watch worship from a window. You're not going to watch joy from a window. You don't want to go and watch the video of the wedding reception where you danced to Michael Jackson, Thriller, <laughs> or, or you did the, whatever they call that dance, that, uh, the what? The nut push, you know. Like, it was fun when you're in the moment. It was fun when the music's pumping, everybody else is doing the nut. I've never done the nut push, but, you know, we're all doing the nut push, you know, and, and, and we're dancing and, and partying and all the rest of it. Then watch the video of yourself. It's not cool. There's some things that just don't look good from a window of, of, of a screen. But in the moment, it was good. You're not going to watch joy from a window. You need to get in. You need to jump in the swimming pool, so to speak. Get in to know what it's like. You can't watch it from afar. That's weird. There's no such thing. In Christianity, there's some things that are, that are just not, Christianity's not a spectator sport if it was a sport. It's a per participation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Not, not watch and look at, look at somebody else doing it. People that are looking around at other people and all the rest of it, got the wrong thing. Close your eyes and get in or open your eyes to God, you'll enjoy it. The ark of the, uh, of, 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 was entering the city of David. Michael, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window. She's watching worship from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing, this is people that don't have the joy, that don't jump in. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. I find that the joy of the Lord manifests in, in a worship service in church will cause one of two things. Either somebody's going to get their knickers in a knot and despise it. Oh, I don't, don't agree with any of that. Or they're going to enter in and, and, and feel the joy and jumping in, 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 and experience firsthand the presence of God. Otherwise, well, it's just weird. And so she despised him in her heart. She's kind of laughing at him, not with. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in a place, get this, inside the tent. 
New Testament theology says that you are the tent. This, this outward body, this tent is perishing day by day. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So there's incredible typology that, that's in this, in this account here. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to come in and do the things that we do. We don't feel like it, but lay it on the altar anyway. Sacrifice your humility, your pride rather. Humble yourself and, and, and jump in. And when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished it. She's being sarcastic has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would do. So she's misinterpreted this or interpreted it from a hard heart, and she's, she's having it after David. Well, listen to David's reply. So he said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. Now, men, don't say this to your wives, ever. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. Now, he gives four, four, one, two, three, four I wills here. I'm not going to major on these, but joy, celebration, Shouting, dancing, clapping, lifting your hands, singing, all the stuff that we do in a worship service in church and praise and celebration. It really is and centers around your will. You either will or you won't. You'll either watch from a window from afar and, and, and be like Michael, be sarcastic and critical of it because you got your eyes off the Lord and you got your eyes on other people, or you will enter in. The, the choice is yours, and you will do what you really want to do. As for me in my house, I want the presence of God. I want the joy of the Lord in the house of God. So he says, I will celebrate. I don't care what you say, Michael. You're dead. He didn't get it. I got it. I will become even more undignified than this. I love that. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, this is the sad note, and this is why I believe there has to be laughter and joy in the house of God. A big why right here. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Who wants to go to church if it's just a funeral service or a wake? One of the, one of the things when God called me to the ministry, and I argued with them because my, my experience with the church at the time, the church I'd attended. Man, what a somber experience. What a letdown. There wasn't joy in there. It was just all like 
Some guy got up to tell you what you should be doing. It's the worst kind of message, I believe, in the whole world is telling somebody what they should be doing. You should be. We know that. Should be praying more. I know I should be praying. Should be witnessing. I know I should be sharing my faith more. You should be. You should be. You should be. Don't tell me what I should be doing. Just do it. Burn bright. I'll watch you burn, and that'll attract me to want to be like you. But somber and down in the mouth and critical, those are not fruits of the Spirit, guys. Those are not things that create an atmosphere that's attractive for you to bring people in your, in your other world called your real life outside of the four walls of the church where, you know, the people that you work with, the, the family members, coming into a place where it's just sad and mean spirit's going to get up and rip shreds off of you from a pulpit, point the finger, yell, carry on. And people are just uptight. It's like, what happened to you? But then I watch the same people get out of here and go, like I said, at a wedding reception or something. We've had a few drinks, and they're, they're doing the nut push, man. They're partying. They're having fun. Go to church. Why is that? Why, why, are you, why have two different faces? Be two different people. I go to parties whenever I get invited. You go, what are you drinking? Because I'm happy. I'm full of joy. I didn't check out. God's still in me. What are you drinking? Water? Diet Coke? <laughs> I don't need alcohol to make me. Look, if you drink, it's all good. I'm not, you know, against you drinking. Uh, I just personally, you know, made that choice for, for different reasons. It doesn't work if I get called to a hospital and somebody's, you know, on their deathbed and pastor comes in and smelling like a brewery. That just doesn't work. Or where's the pastor? He couldn't drive. He's over the limit. So, so I forfeit my, my right. I give the highest right you have is to give up your rights. And so I give that right up. I'm not, you know, dead set against any of that. But I don't need it. People go, you're so, what are you laughing about? Because I'm just happy. I'm, look, I have somebody on the inside of me. I believe if there's a trademark of heaven, it's joy. It's, it's laughter. It's, it's the God who sits on the throne of heaven. He's in me. He's got it all worked out so I don't have to get down in the mouth because there's wicked stuff going on out there. He laughs and says, don't worry. It's all good. My stepmother used to say, every dog has his day. Don't worry about it. It'll all work out. So why, why do we have laughter and why do we love to laugh? Give you a few reasons here. If you take a note, number one, laughter leads to a healthy soul. A healthy soul, your soul, my soul, the soul of your family, the soul of your business if you have one, the soul of your employment, but also the soul of a church. Beloved, I, I, I wish that you would prosper and be in health, it says in, in 3 John, I think it is, or 1 John. Even as your soul prospers, laughter is good medicine. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. It's a medicine. Laughter is a medicine. A merry heart, another translation says, is good, does good like a medicine. Another word for merry is the form joy, is the word joy. 
Another translation says, the father of the fool has no joy, and a joyful heart does good like a medicine. A lot of people are medicated on a lot of things. Why not get medicated on God? Why not get medicated and have a joyful heart? Why not just put the pharmaceuticals, big pharma, you know, everybody knows the conspiracy theories, big pharma's out to get, why not just put big pharma out of business by getting some joy of the Lord in your heart and let that be your medicine? Well, half clap again. There was a time during Israel's history, and a lot of the Bible is a history that tells what went down. And there was a time when they went into Babylonian captivity. There was nothing to be happy about at all. They got shipped out of uh, where Israel is today, shipped, shipped off into Babylon. And then over hundreds of years, the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians. And now we find this man, Nehemiah, goes back to rebuild the temple, which was ripped down. And, and listen to this in Nehemiah 8. And we're just going to um, look at verse 5, then we'll drop to verse 8. Nehemiah 8. Ezra opened the book. Now this book, uh, the scriptures, if you will, had been lost. They had no scriptures for a, a whole lifetime. All the people could see him because he was standing above them as he opened it and the people stood up. And they read from the book, the book of the law. Now, that's not a happy moment, the law. Like, if you want to go to bed and you can't sleep, you got insomnia, just start reading the law, you'll go, to, you'll go to sleep, I'll guarantee it. But they're reading from the law, the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. And then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. And this is a word for this church, why we have a value. We love to laugh. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. That sermon has got to stop. This is not about making you feel bad every time you come into the house of God and hear the word of God. Don't weep. Do not mourn or weep. Now, I know that people come in here sad. I understand bad things happen. People lose loved ones, lose their job. Uh, bad things happen. I understand that. But we don't want to accentuate that when they get in and feeling bad and it's going to drive and make them feel even worse. No. It's a place where you can... Well, we'll get to that point in a moment, but get something called faith. All the people have been weeping as they listen to the words of the law. Verse 10, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And we do eat a lot in this church. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy. This day right now is holy. So what does holy look like? Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, church. Somebody with some joy, get some strength. Church should never be a time just to come in and have a downer with the world. So we, we, 
we look at it, we, we look at laughter as a value because it's good for the soul. Moving along, number two, laughter is evidence that God's in the house. Joy and laughter come from the presence of someone, not something. Happiness is something. Joy is someone. We love to laugh because laughter is an evidence of joy. Psalm 16, verse 11, listen to this. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness, not just joy, fullness of joy. Do you know something ain't full until it's overflowing? If you can put more in, it's not full. So what does overflow of joy look like? Ha! It's coming out! <laughs> That's why being filled with, us, with the Spirit, something's got to come out. Singing, it says. Dancing, something's got to come out. If you're full of something, something is overflowing. If you can put more in, it ain't full. So it says the joy, the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Where did that scripture come from? A, a, a man that had everything going for him, was happy? No, it was from David when things were going bad. Number three, why, why is laughter uh, uh, a value? Laughter is evidence of agreement. Think, what's that about? I've been taking notes of conversations that I've had all week long just with this sermon bubbling on the inside of me. And one thing I've noticed is that when people are in agreement with me, they're usually laughing. Not, ha, 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 ha. And not with their thumbs, LOL, or uh, falling on the ground laughing whatever that one is, you know, laughing out loud when they're not laughing out loud. But just in conversations, have you ever noticed that when somebody's really tracking with the conversation, you could be talking about, well, what I'm talking about now. And, and, and if a person's tracking with it, usually, yeah, you're, you're right, yeah, wow. We were at dinner party, I'm having some conversations there. And, 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 and the people I was conversing with didn't know it, but I was watching and when they would get in agreement with me, they would, they would laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And then they would add something else to the agreement that we, were, that we were getting into. Laughter is a form, it's a subtle form, unnoticed by many, of agreement. When somebody's laughing with you in a conversation, usually means we agree. We're touching something. You've, you've hit something. And, and it's, it's a good thing, isn't it? When, when you're having a great conversation with friends and, and, and you've got laughter happening in that conversation, it shows that there's, there's a friendship going on there. We're, we are, we have, our best friend is God. And he loves it when we get in agreement with him in our conversation and each other. There's power in agreement. And when that power kicks in and you're in agreement with a good friend, usually there's a laughter. There's a spirit that's carried in that of joy. We're connecting on the same wavelength, on the same spirit. We're, we're connecting on, on something here. If you're not laughing, you have to ask yourself why. 
Why don't I like to laugh and why don't I laugh? Maybe there's something there that you just need to correct. And getting in agreement is a big reason why we like, we love to laugh here at City Church because laughter is better than yelling. <laughs> See, you just did it. You just did what I'm talking about, right? You agree with it? Yeah, it's, it's better than yelling, isn't it? See, see, laughter is to joy what yelling is to anger and disagreement. People that are disagreeing, yeah, but yeah, yeah. You know, you're letting that out. Well, why not when you get into agreement and you got joy, why not let that out? <laughs> you're right. That's absolutely right, Pastor Ed. Preach it. You're doing a good job. Come on. Let somebody encourage the preacher. Why, why not encourage each other in our conversations by letting a little laugh out? Showing agreement. We love to laugh because we love to agree. Number four, laughter is evidence that you're living by faith. How does that play in? Well, faith is a confident expectation. Expectation in what? That God's, God's on the throne. That God's promises are true. That no matter what the evil report that I read or, or the talk, you know, of all the bad stuff and everything's going down and everybody's going to die and the sky's falling. Oh, my God. What about God on the throne? What about God works all things for good to those who love him? What about we win in the end? Where's the confident expectation in God that God himself laughs at the wicked because he knows the end? Do we know the end? Read the end of the book. Somebody said, read the end of the book, we win. That's exciting to me. I can laugh even in the middle of all hell breaking loose in, in, in life, in this world, it's not going to steal my joy. Somebody preached a message years ago. If the devil can steal your joy, he can steal your goods. And is that not true? Soon as he's got your joy, you can kiss the rest of it goodbye. You're going to lose it all. The Ark of the Covenant was called the Ark of the Covenant before they crossed over the River Jordan, when Joshua had it. And we have good and precious promises from God. And every one of those promises is yes and amen. And I believe one of the great proofs that you really do believe it is that you're laughing in the middle of adversity. Because if you don't believe it, if you don't believe in those promises, then your joy is going to go right out the window. It was called the Ark of the Covenant until they crossed over. And then if you go back and read Joshua, all of a sudden something shifts, and, and you can miss it if you're not a student studying the Bible. You can miss it because it gets, it gets renamed the Ark of the Testimony. It's a covenant on this side. That's what you've got to hold on to, to keep your joy. That's why you can still laugh in the middle of it, because 
you will cross over by faith, but not lose your joy. You can laugh all the way through, and then it becomes the ark of the testimony. Your covenant promise becomes your testimony when you stand in faith. That's why I can laugh on this side, and I can laugh and rejoice on that side, but I don't have to wait until I'm on that side to rejoice, because faith rejoices in the promise, in the covenant, not just when you get the answer and it materializes. So we live by faith. That's why we laugh. We love to laugh when we're trusting God instead of circumstances. So laughter is the evidence that we're walking by faith. It's good medicine. It's good for our soul. It's the fruit of the joy of the fruit of the joy of, uh, of, of the spirit. And it's also, it's also something we do when we get together with good friends. And I hope that God is a good friend you make good friends at City Church. I always pack too much when I go away. And I always endeavor to pack light. Uh, but then Gail will look at what I've packed. It's like, aren't you going to take two pants? <laughs> I've got a pair of pants on. They're jeans. They said I could preach in jeans at this church. So I'm going to wear these jeans. What if you spill something on the jeans? What are you going to do then? Okay. Okay, I'll pack another pair of jeans. In it goes. Is that all the shirts you're going to pack? Oh, I'm going to wash them in the sink. I'm gone for three weeks, but I can wear the same shirt if I wash it and hang it up. And Now, what if you're not in a place where you can wash the shirt? And what about the undies and the socks? And did you pack this? Did you pack that? No, I'm staying at a hotel. They got shampoo at the hotel. Well, what if, what if they don't? So I'm packing that, throwing that in. Pretty soon what was on carry-on bag, now it's got to check the bag in and wait for it to come off the carousel. And it's like, why did I do this? I'm, I've got to carry all this stuff through the airport now. And sometimes that gets you in trouble. Like I remember once uh, the flight from hell where I was going to the small town of Beslan in Russia, and it was like 48 hours virtually on, just on the airplanes, let alone the, <laughs> the airports. And, you know, I, I ended up on sub, Siberian Airlines. Now, Russian Airlines, Aeroflot, is, it's the worst airline I've ever flown on. They crash every year. It's like, pick a number, any number. <laughs> you know, your number's going to be up. And in this particular one, this airline went to next level worse. It, it, it was voted worse than Aeroflot. Like, hard to believe. It's Siberian Airlines. <sighs> I knew I was in trouble when the, all the, the luggage was stacked in the aisle outside the toilet, which didn't work, and a guy vomited all over the luggage as he was too drunk and everything. And I looked out the window, and where the window is, it was all painted with a paintbrush in army green looking. And I thought, dear God, get the angels on the wings. I'm going home. If you don't, something's going to happen. But at check-in, I got in an argument with the check-in person from hell who doesn't speak English, and she's Irina or something. I don't know, but she, you know, she's... <laughs> She's like angry. 
and I'm trying to put this luggage through to get on this plane, and, and, uh, which is the luggage is going to go in the aisle anyway. And she's like arguing, wants to charge me more rubles or whatever, and gotten a big, you know. Too much luggage. What are you carrying in life that you shouldn't be carrying? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus says, cast all your care upon me, for I care for you. In other words, I'll carry it. You're carrying what you don't need to be carrying. What are you carrying right now that you should not be carrying? But I'm going to flip this around right now. What should you be carrying that you're not carrying? You see, that ark carried the presence of God. But the ark was not supposed to put be put on a cart. It was supposed to be carried by people. A cart cannot carry Christ. You have to carry Christ. You can't mechanize this. We've got lights and we've got programs and we've got all kinds of things for, for the Christmas season. But none of that's going to carry the presence or the joy of the Lord. You have to carry that into your family settings, your work settings, wherever you go. The, the cart can't carry Christ. The, the people of Christ have to carry the Spirit of Christ. And where that Spirit comes, there's going to be joy. There's going to be some laughter. That's why it's a value of City Church. We love to laugh. Because we're carrying someone. The presence of someone called the Holy Spirit. Not it. Oh, have you got it? No, but I got him. And I'm carrying him wherever I go. Not to be put on a cart. You got to lighten up. Carry what should be carried. Take no thought. Lighten up. Get rid of what shouldn't be carried. Do not let your heart be troubled. My yoke is easy, he said. My burden is light. So don't carry him. If, he don't, if, if we don't carry him, he's not going. I love to laugh. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> and again I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. We're not a church. No, not a church. You got to put on your somberness in church. Now, church is a place where you can rejoice, should rejoice. A place where you can pray your way out of the pit, sing your way out of yourself, pounce on your problems, because joy comes in the morning, no matter what happens when you walk in here, if it's Sunday morning, joy comes in the morning, the presence of God will bring life and joy, and yes, laughter, we love to laugh. So my challenge for this church this morning, if you're watching online as well, the presence of God has to return to the temple. David knew that. I'm going to let Obed-Edom's house get the blessing. I want that blessing to move into the house of God, into the temple. I want laughter and joy to be restored for God's people, that we can laugh at the wicked one. He's just a coyote. It's all going to come back. Believe it. We can laugh because we're walking by faith not by sight.
we can laugh because we want to have a healthy soul at City Church. And wherever you're at, I hope it's the same thing. We can laugh because we're in agreement. We're on a, we're in agree, we agree on more things that we disagree on. Let's just laugh in our conversations and get into agreement with each other. That's why we love to laugh. Amen. Well, somebody give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Well, I'd like you to bow your heads. And if you're watching online and driving your car, don't bow your head. But uh, when it's appropriate, bow your head and close your eyes. <laughs> and uh, I want to give you a chance to ask life himself into your heart. It's just a simple prayer. Pretty well the same every time I pray it, but it's not a formula. Those who call upon the name of the Lord, it says, will be saved. It's just calling upon him. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you confess that, you will be saved. So why not? If that's you and you're watching or you're here right now, you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You can do that right now wherever you're at. So just pray this prayer after me and say, Dear God, I turned from doing life my way. I turn to you. Jesus, I give you my heart. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.